Welcome back to the Rediscover the 80s podcast and another episode of Rank Em, the show that remembers your favorite stuff from the 80s and ranks them in a top five countdown. I am your host, Jason Gross, and we are continuing to celebrate the 30th anniversary of all things 1989. And on this Rank Em, we are going to be going through our favorite TV shows that debuted in 89. And my guest for this episode is a familiar voice who helped me the last time we ranked TV shows. He is Mickey Yarber of RetroRamblings.com and the Retro Rambler YouTube channel. How are you, sir? Afternoon, Jason. A little under the weather, but otherwise doing okay. Well, I appreciate you coming back here. And uh, how you been doing? It's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Uh, and uh, how's things going over there at the Retro Rambler? Uh, slower than usual. I ain't had a whole lot of time lately to be putting up new stuff, but you know how life goes. Fortunately, the way the internet works, all the old stuff's still there and it can wait forever for <laughs> new stuff to go up. So, Yes. Yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, you see several articles that are several years old go through <laughs> as we, uh, you know, we have our normal nine to five jobs we have to go to every day. It's, it's a shame we can't all like just come together somehow and pull our resources and, and, and do this as a full-time job. But we do what we can and it's fun. It's all in good fun. We do what we can when we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have seen some videos up there. I've seen you some review, uh, a few things over the last uh, several months there, the, the Dino Drek pack. And what was the one we just released the other day when I was watching, um, um, Milo cups and smoothie cups. There you go. The Mallow Cups. Yes, yeah. that that triggered a memory uh, uh, going back to my childhood. And uh, there was a, a little amusement park for uh, Boyer Foods, which I believe is the one that manufactures the Mallow Cups. And they had a little like Hershey Park knockoff for a few years. And uh, I remember visiting that on a field trip as a kid. So that was a nice little memory jolt you gave me there watching that video. Well, I done it because my daughter never tried smoothies and I wanted a, a reason to buy some for myself. So but <laughs> it, it worked out good because the fine folks at Boyer reached out to us on social media and told us we'd done a great job and oh. have some stuff headed their way for such a good review. So nice. Nice. I love it when that happens. The yeah, power of social media. That's that's the good part of social media right there. When you when you tag them in, in something you did and they reach out to you. Being able to get uh, it in front of them. Absolutely. Uh, that's a, that's why I have a Lego uh, Back to the Future DeLorean. Uh, that happened to me several years ago when they released that set. And I was like, you're kidding me. They, they, uh, I, I couldn't believe when it showed up at the house. They didn't tell me what it was going to be. And here it is, a, a Lego DeLorean. Well, I was blown cool. away. Well, that's I was cool. blown away. Well, maybe so, maybe we'll cool. get some uh, old TV box sets out of this thing here today, then. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to tag like Mill Creek or you know one of those companies and yeah, see what we can come up with in '89. But '89 was a pretty good year for TV shows. And uh, before we get into our top five list, uh, as we like to do on Rankin, we give a little context of the year, and uh, particularly we're going to look at the what was the top ten uh, in the Nielsen ratings. For the fall of 1989 and the spring of 1990, as they 
kind of split years there with the ratings. But we're going to go through that, and then we're going to give you our uh, our top five list. So uh, number ten in 1989 was Monday Night Football. <laughs> Came in at number ten on ABC. Always a, a top rated show, and always shows that seem to you know either preempt that or come after that uh, be, because of that high rating. Seemed like. Well, I know in 89, I contributed to that rating because as a 49er fan, we were on our march to our fourth Super Bowl championship that season. So There you go. Tried to keep up with the times. Absolutely. Team of the 80s. Uh, number nine was the show we talked about last time that we podcasted, Empty Nest. That was on NBC. Uh, a Saturday night show. It's fun to, to look at these ratings and think there was top 10 shows on Saturday night. Because and now it's like the death night, it seems and like. Beyond looking at the ratings, just to look back through old TV guides to see the shows we finally remember and don't quite remember that they were on Saturday night when you would expect them to be on some weeknight. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, number eight, The Wonder Years on ABC. And uh, again, this was not a show that I connected with as a kid, really, in, in the reruns either. Uh, have not gone back and watched the the full series, but I know it's highly regarded uh, for you, many people. You so. didn't get into the uh, the romance with Kevin and Winnie. I didn't, Come on, man! I did not. No, what was his uh, nerdy friend? Can't remember Paul. his name. Paul. Paul. Yeah. Did not get into that at all. No. Grew up uh, no. Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <laughs> that is an urban legend, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Number seven, uh, the uh, the CBS staple on Sunday night, sixty minutes. Uh, we'll just keep go right on to the next one because I have really nothing to say about sixty minutes other than the longest ninety minutes it, of your life, right it, there. Right. Oh man, my gram between murder she wrote, which I could stomach sometimes, and then sixty minutes. That was a that was a long couple hours there. Yeah. Uh, number six, The Golden Girls on NBC. Of course, that was back-to-back with Empty Nest on Saturday nights. Still running strong there. Number five, America's Funniest Home Videos on ABC, which actually debuted this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Saget was the original host, for those who don't remember that original run. I can remember mm-hmm. watching it a little bit, but it I didn't catch on to Funniest Home Videos until probably in the nineties. Well, we'll talk about it more here in a little bit, but it was YouTube yeah. before YouTube. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, number four, a different world on NBC. Of course, that was always uh, right after the Cosby show, uh, which we'll get to here on the list. Uh, number three was cheers mm-hmm. on Thursday nights on NBC. Of course, that was a very, very popular show for, I don't know how many seasons, a dozen, maybe. I can't remember. Yeah, something like that. Maybe 11, 10 or 11, 12. Yeah. And then this year, we actually had a tie for number one. Cosby uh, Show and what else? <laughs> Roseanne. Ah. Roseanne tied it in the ratings. Roseanne was uh, on Tuesday nights. So Tuesday was a pretty big night for ABC with Roseanne and then the Wonder Years. And then, uh, of course, Thursdays was the staple for all those comedies on NBC with the Cosby show, uh, different world cheers. So yeah. Yeah. Roseanne, uh, big, strong push that year 
and uh, and tied Cosby for the ratings after I don't know how many years the Cosby Show had been on the on top. Well, that says uh, a lot about Roseanne because this season we're talking about it debuted in '88, so it was only in its right. second season. So tremendously popular. Uh, then we're going to look just a, a few uh, moments in history, TV history from '89, January 9th. Pat Sajak quit the daytime version of Wheel of Fortune to host his own talk show. I had not remembered this. Oh, yeah. Ran for 298 episodes until April of the next year. Yeah, but still um, considered a bomb, though. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, first guest on that show was Chevy Chase. Little fun fact there. Uh, January 29th of 89, the uh, children's show Shining Time Station debuted on PBS, which was our first introduction as Americans to Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, wow. Yep, 1989. March 2nd of that year, Pepsi's two-minute Make-A-Wish advertisement with Madonna and her song Like a Prayer aired uh, during the Cosby show. It actually aired, I think, the might have been the night before or a week before with, I think it was the Grammys. Very controversial, but that was the first time a song actually debuted in a television commercial, huh. believe it or not. It was before the album was ever released or anything. So that's how she chose to launch her, her Like a Prayer album wow. with that Pepsi commercial. I thought that was really interesting. I do remember that commercial. I don't remember it, you know, it being like uh, if I watched it when it was first uh, aired or not. But it was uh, it was like an event. I mean, two minute long commercial. So huh. where it's like it's the the premise of the commercial was uh, it was like Madonna. They show her as like a little kid, and then her aspirations and all that, and then they I think meet up together at the end of the commercial. And uh, I can't remember what the line is that she says with the, her, you know, younger self standing next to her. Uh, I have to look that one up on YouTube. I don't believe I've ever seen that. Uh, March 10th that year was the series finale of Webster. And I thought this was interesting. I remember watching Webster off and on, but the very last episode, he's transported on the USS Enterprise and, <laughs> and uh, Michael Dorn, uh, guest stars as Lieutenant Worf from the show. So, uh, <laughs> what a series finale! You're uh, you're on the Enterprise. Huh. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, a few more. April eighth, after a ten month hiatus, American Bandstand reemerged on the USA Network, and uh, David Hirsch took over for uh, Dick Clark. And um, it remained on there for 26 more weeks. And then American Bandstand was done in October of 89. So uh, made a little bit, a little bit of a run there uh, on the USA network. And then it was gone. Hmm. Uh, May 14th, we have the uh, series finale of family ties and uh, the, uh, the show that actually took its slot was one I'm not sure if we'll talk about tonight or not. Was uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? <laughs> I, you know, I don't remember uh, Family Ties in prime time. I only ever saw it in syndication in the afternoons, but I watched uh -huh. the heck out of it then. But uh, yeah, thought, we didn't watch it a lot of it either. And I remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the TV series. I thought it was on Sunday nights, or maybe Family Ties was on Sunday nights. Hell, I don't know. I never watched it in prime time. 
yeah, I never watched either of them. And well, this is I'm um, take that for what it's worth, uh, coming from Wikipedia. So uh, that could oh, be wrong. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do a little bit of research, but you know, that's uh, maybe a little bit beyond Wiki <laughs> for these shows. Uh, I do know this happened for a fact, though. Uh, September 16th, the pilot for the proposed X-Men animated series, which uh, a lot of fans hold in high regard, X-Men, pride of the X-Men. It was first broadcast, but it took three years before an animated series actually was produced. So uh, I go back and I watch that once in a while on YouTube. It's out there and available. I never saw it when it when you're talking about here, when it debuted, but several years later, I found a VHS copy of it at a local department store mm-hmm. and watched it for the first time here in the early nineties. It's pretty good. I'm glad it led to the actual cartoon. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, just a few more ABC on the, uh, on September 22nd debuted TGIF on Friday nights from eight to 10. The first four shows were full house, family matters, perfect strangers, and just the 10 of us. Still my favorite lineup of TGIF right there. Yep. Yeah, basically ran throughout the 90s uh, up until 2000, actually. Very highly rated uh, well, on those Friday nights. When you're 11, 12 years old and you can't go out on Friday nights and stuff, then TGIF was the next best thing. So I love TGIF. <laughs> yep. Uh, September 24th, NBC broadcast the 15th anniversary special for Saturday Night Live. Several of the cast members came back. Tom Hanks uh, was the opening monologue. And uh, Prince and Paul Simon actually performed. And there's a bunch of, you know, flashbacks and everything throughout the years. And uh, there were special tributes to John Belushi and to Gilda Radner uh, on the special. And then uh, two more. I remember this moment pretty vividly. October 17th, four minutes into ABC's broadcast of... Game three of the World Series, the earthquake occurred and mm-hmm. forced the 10-day delay of the World Series. I remember being at my grandmother's house that night, and uh, you know the, it goes black, and you're wondering what in the world's going on, and then they cut back in and tell you what's, what's happening. You see the, the, the pictures, the aftermath of, of what happened, and it was, yeah. uh, it was a pretty crazy time. Um. The first season of ESPN's 30 for 30 documentaries, they devote a documentary to it, and it's really, really good. Yes, I have seen that. Uh, Good call. The one part in it that I didn't realize until I watched that was because ESPN was, cameras were there, they were the first to actually report the earthquake on television. So ESPN, the sports network, broke that story. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then finally, on November 15th, the Comedy Channel debuted, which would later become Comedy Central huh. uh, two years later. So that uh, that debuted in 89. I grew up with a small town cable company. We never had those cool channels like that and sci-fi and the other channels that debuted until like late 90s, 96, 97, when all the good programming was already gone. From me. Yep. Yeah, ours is the same way. I, we had, uh, I remember watching MTV pretty early on. But, yeah, some of those in the later 80s, I I don't know when we added those. Probably at least a couple years after they debuted and became more popular, I guess. So, okay, well, that's just a little glimpse of uh, TV in 1989. And we're going to get into our lists now. Uh, 
Of course, our ground rules are just our personal favorites, as we always say. These aren't, you know, what should be at the, the top based on their ratings or something. I'm sure we're going to have some, possibly some popular shows uh, that might have been in that top 10 in our lists. But uh, we, uh, we're, we're just kind of basing on our favorites, what we remember watching that year. So without further ado, sir, you have the floor. What's your number five pick for 1989? Oh, I- I get to go first. You get to go first. Yes. Well, you've already mentioned it. America's Funniest Home Videos. We got laughs from coast to coast to make you smile. A real life look at each of you to capture all that style. You're the red, white, and blue. The funnest things you do. You know, again, talking about being young and not getting to go out and do things Sunday nights, uh, the last part of the weekend, when America's Funniest Home Videos started, that was something you could actually look forward to on Saturday night at the end of the weekend. So, and like I said earlier, it was YouTube before YouTube. Nowadays, kids can go on YouTube and watch all the fail videos they want. Well, kids, <laughs> back, in, back in my day, you got 30 minutes a week, and that was it. And after commercials and Bob Saget talking, you had more like, 12 or 13 minutes of fail videos a week, (laughs) but they were glorious, but they weren't like fails today. I mean, in 1989, we thought it was the funniest thing in the world, a video of a cat falling off a television, you know, but (laughs) into an aquarium. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it was, uh, I don't know. It's more nostalgia than the show being great. Well, I mean, the show's great because it went for 20 some odd years, I guess they went through multiple hosts after Bob Saget. And it's I believe still going. Yeah, okay. As we'll say, I think you can yep. still find it. So uh, it spawned other shows like um, uh, I can't think of these people's names. The dude on Comedy Central, Tosh. Um, oh yeah, Tosh Point and all those. Yeah, uh, I yeah. Mean, this was the grandfather to all of that. Yeah, uh, one of the early pioneers. I guess you call it reality TV. You know, Cops debuted same year. Rescue Nine One One and stuff all debuted, but. America's Funniest Home Videos is like, that's the first chunk of reality television. But I can still remember the first episode. The series, America's Funniest Home Videos, didn't debut actually in 89. It debuted in January 90. November Mm -hmm. 89 was a uh, one-time special, but the ratings were so big, they quickly made it a series. But I remember uh, the very first episode... A guy playing baseball, running in the outfield for a fly ball, jumps up to catch it, falls over the fence, and it rips his pants off. I just thought that was the funniest thing I had ever seen at that point in time. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember, but if I had a, if I had recorded that, I'm sure I watched it back a hundred times after that. Yeah. Yeah. So my number five picks America's funniest home videos. Yeah, that's a that's a solid pick. Uh it was actually my first one out of my list, uh, mm. America's Funniest Videos. I actually just watched an episode last night, pulled off of Hulu, and decided I'm boycotting the show because the the uh, the family that won the the funniest video, it was this dad. He was feeding his kid, and he looked up to the TV, and he had the spoon out, and the kid's trying to, you know, eat with the spoon, and he keeps moving it out without seemingly recognizing it. Mm. Um, it was funny. It was okay. But the reason I'm boycotting, they're from Canada. 
America's funniest home videos and they give uh, it, it blew my mind. I was like, okay, so they I'm I'm sure they watch American television in Canada, but well, I don't know. There's just something fundamentally wrong about for, I have nothing against Canadians, but I have family that you know, extended family that lives in Canada. So well, for all our friends in Canada and all your listeners in Canada, Canada is part of North America. So I think on a technicality basis, I think they can get by with that one. North America's funniest tone videos doesn't have the same ring. No, doesn't not. have the same yeah. ring. I'm, I'm straight. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Carlton now hosts it. Uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. Yeah. So uh, it's and it's funny. Like they will take some of those old clips and they'll run like you know uh, montages of cats jumping in the air from a dog or something, and they. They'll blur out. You remember back in the day, of course, they had like the date and time as you're recording these Mm -hmm. and they'll blur it out what day it is. I think that's the funniest thing. I don't care what if it was like 20 years ago. I mean, funny. Just leave it on there. But Funny is funny. It don't matter when it's from. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But anyway, that's a that's a good pick. Uh, Just just missed my uh, my top five. Oh, man, I had to cut a whole lot out when you first brought this up. And you're like, oh, uh-huh. we can include animation if you need to. I'm like, well, no, I mean, I, I've got like 40 shows here. I, it's going to be hard <laughs> enough without animation. <laughs> 89 was a great year for new shows. Yeah. Great year. Yeah, I did. I made a list of, uh, let's see, at least 15 here. So, yeah, a great year. Okay, so number five for me uh, was one that I remember specifically watching with my dad. American Gladiators Oh yes. is my number five. From Universal Studios Hollywood. This is American Gladiators. Selected from a nationwide search, 22 men and women have come to Hollywood to challenge our force of American Gladiators for a single honor to become American Gladiators champion. Now here are your American Gladiators, Nitro. Lace. Blaze, Gemini, Titan, Zack, Gold, and Blazer, your American Gladiators. The host for American Gladiators, Mike Adamley, and his co-host, Todd Christensen. It was, I don't know what it was about American Gladiators, uh, because, yeah, I was into wrestling at the time. Uh, It was probably feigning a little bit, I would say, uh, when I got to my high school years, and then I got back into wrestling during the Monday Night Wars. But uh, you had these, you know, they were wrestlers, to a certain extent, uh, just the bodybuilders and the way they looked and just the fun of watching these people trying to combat these guys, you know, the, the jousting, the, the game where you had those tubes and you had to run and get this ball into the tube, you know, mm-hmm. while they're trying to knock you around Powerball, uh, Powerball, And then the, uh, the obstacle course there where they're trying to shoot that huge target 
Uh, and they've got like a several things they can throw it. I think a couple times they had like a pistol and then they get to that rocket launcher and then, you know, trying to get up there. Uh, they, they threw it when they got to the end. That's right. When they're yeah. so close, but, and then they, them shooting those tennis balls, a hundred miles an hour at your forehead, you know? Oh, I just, I ate it up and I can't remember if it was like a, I want to say it was like a Saturday afternoon show maybe or something uh during the weekend because dad would have it on we'd watch it and uh he's like oogling over the ladies and i'm just wa- you know watching it for the the wrestling kind of factor and the gauntlet at the end you know oh my gosh i just love the american gladiators yeah they uh it it was syndicated in my neck of the woods it was on at noon every saturday which was perfect because wrestling was on at one o'clock on saturday so you get the back to back and i was big in the wrestling yeah, big in the that makes sense. Too, makes sense. That uh, the obstacle course thing you're talking about assault, and my cousin and I always wished that they had American Gladiators for kids, but they didn't. So we <laughs> created our own assault course, nice. and and we used we used acorns, and we were chucking them at each other, and then little <laughs> suckers hurt. But yeah. we had different trees you could run behind. But, well, I'm going to ask you this though: uh-huh. do, do you remember? The first season was split in half. The first half had like a medieval Roman Coliseum thing to it. Most people don't remember that, but you can find them on YouTube. Everybody remembers the red, white, and blue and all the the geometric shapes and the actual sporting event look. But go back on YouTube and watch, because I started watching from the first season. Uh, So the Mm -hmm. way you're talking about assault, you have all the different shaped blocks that they can hide behind. Right, right. Well, in the original, they had like... uh, fake bushes and fake trees and things. No and kidding. the ref, the referees actually wore a uh, hooded executioner uniform. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. And uh, the joust that you're familiar with, they're on the two pedestals battling it out. Right. On the original version, they're on like this bridge and they'd meet in the middle and fight and try to knock each other off. And if you backed up too far, you triggered a trap door and you fell. So oh my god! To, I gotta go watch this like right now. Let's just stop the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go bring it up. I can't. I don't remember that at all. I don't remember that at all. Well, wow. they they done that first half of the season, and the ratings were good enough for syndication that they're like, okay, we we've, we've got a possible syndication hit here. So they refilled mm-hmm. it a little bit to make it even more popular and took those themes out of it. But uh, it started with three male and three female gladiators, and the hook was. From that first half a season, the grand prize was if you won, you got to become a gladiator for the next oh, season. Wow. But I'm not sure if that actually happened or not. But yeah, yeah. you definitely need to go back and watch that. That's yeah. awesome. The first season oh. is. Oh my gosh, I just I have really good memories of that with my dad. We didn't watch a whole lot of shows together, but that one we just both ate up so much. And didn't they do a? Did they do an animated show with American Gladiators or something? Uh, I'm trying to remember. They did. I I don't remember it specifically. I know they did toys because I found an action figure of Turbo Mm -hmm. at RetroCon last year. I was like, oh, I'm I'm taking this. I never had the, you know, this was rated my freshman year in high school. So I wasn't too big into action figure collecting once I got into my high school years. But uh, I saw that last year. I was like, oh, I'm going to have this. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, not just action figures. They had play sets from the different games and things. Did they? Okay. Uh, a Nintendo game, a Super Nintendo game. Super Nintendo game is much better. Where you can 
actually play some of the competitions. Gotcha. Yeah, I do remember the NES game. I can't remember one, which one of my friends had it, but I do remember that. I uh, don't remember the SNES game. And the way they set it up kept you watching. In theory, you could get burnt out after a few weeks of watching the competition, but if you're in the sports, it had enough of that for it. But the fact that they had so many gladiators, each week you saw a different mix. They had right. so many games. Each week you had a different mix of games. So you kept watching, hoping, like, I love the assault. So I'm hoping every week there's the assault. You know? mm-hmm. So it had a little, a lot of little hooks like that. It kept it popular. Make, make yeah. you keep watching. Yeah. And I loved it when the like contestants got really into it. You know, they're really competitive. They're getting thrown around, but they didn't give up, you know, and, and just that Powerball game just reminded me so much of just that attitude of just trying to bully your way through these huge guys and yeah. get the ball in the hole. You know, it's, oh my gosh. Yeah, Loved it was a great it. show. Great show. Okay, on to your number four, sir. Well, my number four was American Gladiators. Oh, there so, we go. Okay. Well, I've got a replacement though. Okay. I, okay. I try to come prepared for this stuff. <laughs> and and since you like the American Gladiator wrestling connection, I got another one for you. Rock and roller games. Hey everybody, it's time for roller games. Are you ready? From the Super Roller Dome, it's Roller Games! Tonight, the Rockers attempt to scratch the Violators' winning record. Can that dirty, rotten Mr. Mean make heartthrob rocker Brian Jacobson sing to a new tune? Will Dar the Star outshine Sweet Stephanie? Just wait and see. Plus, will the Twins get back to the Teamers alive? TV debut live on the Super Roller Dome stage all tonight on Roller Games. Did you watch Roller Games back then? I remember it a little bit, but I don't. I don't remember it like being a, a regular show that I watched. Well, it was on in syndication here on Saturday afternoons at two o'clock after American Gladiators and wrestling, so the whole thing kept going. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm sure you've seen roller derby. People live yes. in the scene roller derby on the feet, yeah. on the oval track. Well, rock and roller games took it to a whole nother level. <laughs> they had the figure eight track, and and you they were running in circles. But your two jammers, they called them, would break off and go through the figure eight. It had this big wall, and it had multiple lines on it. The higher you got, the more points you scored. You come down to a ramp, and if you cleared a line, you got points for it. And they really ramped up the pro wrestling type storylines. I mean, there were uh-huh. contract disputes and fights and all the teams. But what made it really cool was rock and roller games. Every episode at halftime had a musical act. People like Warrant, Lita Ford, Expose, they perform. So not only are you watching this wow. cool wrestling themed sports show, but you get this MTV vibe from it too. And uh, diehards would shoot me if I forgot to mention overtime. And you can find this on YouTube. It's a separate clip. They had an alligator pit. So when a <laughs> when a game went to overtime, it was a one on one game, and they put the alligators on the track that you were having to jump and yada yada yada. Oh my gosh! And there were two ways to win. You could score a point 
or you could throw your opponent into the alligator pit. Oh and, they, and they made these guys that you that you've watched skate around. They're wearing the uniforms. Well, for some reason, I guess maybe to protect them from the alligators, they made them put on these black leather gip hoods and stuff like sexual deviants and for this final race. I mean, this show was awesome. If you if, if American Gladiators and Pro Wrestling didn't get your adrenaline up, then you had rock and roller games that would just push you right over the top. So since you took American <laughs> Gladiators, I'm going with rock and roller games as my number four pick. I swear to God, as soon as we get off this podcast, I'm going to YouTube for American Gladiators and Rock and Roller Games. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. The, I, I just don't remember that whole... I kind of remember there's like different lines where they could hit. I do remember that and like the them almost like slingshotting each other to get as up as high as they could on those to score points and stuff. But oh my, well, I don't remember any of the other stuff at all. The marketing genius of it all was they only had one overtime game with the alligators and it was the very first episode. So <laughs> you watch the first one, you're like, what are they going to do next? But everything else after that was. And I can't remember. I hate to keep going on about this, but it's okay. I, I, I go ahead. I gotta, I gotta put this part in. They had an alligator handler, and for the life of me, I can't remember his name. But he was this big Lorenzo Lamas-looking dude with long blonde hair, and he wore a loincloth, and he would carry the alligators out and put them in the pit. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh! Wow! Uh, and then, oh my gosh! Uh, you may have seen on different movies or maybe on YouTube. Do you remember the show? Um, uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Hot Properties or Hot Ticket? It had Wally George. It was like a scripted Jerry Springer type show. But he was a mix between Jerry Springer and Jay Leno or Johnny Carson. Well, they hired him since he was in L.A. to be the halftime recap guy. And he is so far over the top. Like, think about Vince McMahon in the late 80s as an announcer, how over the top he was. Take that, right. like to 11 with this Wally George cat. Wow. And you add all this together and it was just awesome. Awesome television. Unfortunately, ladies only, and gentlemen, it only ran right. one season. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we love the eighties and why we podcast about the eighties. Cause yes. this is the only era where you're going to get some crazy stuff like this. I'm telling you. <laughs> and the, uh, the Nintendo game was called roller games, but it was totally not a figure eight track. It was a side scrolling first person game but yeah. the arcade version you could actually play the figure eight track and one more thing when you watch on youtube search uh mr mean goes over the wall because mr mean was a bad bad dude and he actually went over the wall oh yeah by the way they called it the wall of death it wasn't just a <laughs> wall it was the wall of death he got so high he flew over the back of it awesome so anyway i'm done mr <laughs> mean ball of death game. okay a mental note <laughs> taken okay <laughs> top that with your number four pick wow uh I, I i probably can but not i mean in the same craziness sense um <laughs> number <laughs> number four for me uh i remember watching early on and being sucked in uh, mainly because of the time travel factor quantum leap yes. loved quantum leap
theme song. I still love the theme song. I'm pretty sure it's a Mike Post theme. Just great, uh, kind of going through the years that he's flashing back to. Craig Cast, Scott Bakula, Dean Stockwell. Uh, they just had really good rapport together, too. And I don't know. It was fun. It was fun in a in an almost back to the future kind of way. Uh, the first episode, obviously. I don't think he ever flashed to the future. It was always like backwards, right? To correct whatever went wrong. But yeah, some of those earlier episodes, the baseball one. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that just, I don't know. It was, it was really neat. And then it was always fun when he jumped into the girl, you know, yeah. to, and, <laughs> oh, and make it. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. That catch line. <laughs> uh, I loved quantum leap. What's your thoughts on quantum leap? Uh, my mom and I were both big fans. I told you before my dad traveled. So it was just me and her a lot watching television. And we love quantum leap because, uh, even though I, I hated school like all kids did, if I had to pick a favorite subject, it would have been history. And today, history is my favorite subject. Mm-hmm. But, well, besides 80s and retro. So, there again, that show had a great hook. You had the overarching storyline he's trying to get back. But every episode was completely different. It was a different period in history. It was a different mission. And like you so said, you mentioned the baseball episode and uh, the one where he's a cop as the Hurricane Camille is coming in in the Gulf. Mm-hmm back in the 60s and he's trying to rescue people and every episode was just great and it tackled a lot of issues he would leap into a black man in uh the racist south and yeah. uh during civil rights and stuff he leapt into rock stars he i think in one episode he leapt into he became elvis i believe like maybe in the last season or something sounds kind of familiar didn't he become wasn't there's a wrestler or boxer episode maybe yeah he um, became a wrestler in one that show, it was always fun because you never knew and he never knew what it was going to take to get out of the situation itself, you know, because he obviously not a boxer, never been trained or, or anything like that or a wrestler. I can't remember which which it was, but then, you know, he would work something out and it would come right up to the point where he's going to like throw that first punch and then he leaps out, you know, and it, it just it was fun in the fact that you you never knew from week to week, okay, where are we going this week? And then trying to figure out the mystery of, of what he has to do to get out of that situation each week too. It was just, it was just a great premise for a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved it. And still uh, the wife and I will watch episodes of it here and there every now and then today. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's, of course the whole series is dated to its time period. So you can watch it now and, you know, people say shows like without cell phones and the internet, they call those dated shows and hard to watch. Well, every episode in this is dated, but it's, <laughs> it, it makes sense, you know, so it, it right. don't, it don't take you out of the experience because you're not expecting to see a lot of that stuff in the first place. So still holds up yeah. really, really well today. Yeah, I agree. I've watched a few, I haven't gotten back and watched like a full season in, in forever. But uh, as it comes to streaming here and there, I have, and I think now they've pulled it. It might be on the NBC, just the NBC app or something. But anyway, uh, really fun show. Fond memories of that. All right, number three. USA's Up All Night. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> Up All Night with Gilbert Gottfried and Rhonda Shear.
and that's again, you know, you can't go out and do anything. You're stuck at home on Friday nights when you're 11, 12 years old. What better way than at 11 o'clock on Friday and Saturday nights watching crappy B movie? Well, I ain't gonna say crappy because I like just about everything on there. And sometimes they have really good movies, but the bumpers, the wraparounds with Gilbert Gottfried and Rhonda Shear just made the movies, but it made it uh, event television. You know, I may have seen this movie two years ago, but it seems completely new now because I'm getting all these wraparounds and this cool commentary. And it felt like you felt, or at least me, you felt like one of the cool kids at school on Monday morning because you stayed up till three in the morning watching up all night talking about it with your friends and, and the way they would do the, the themes sometimes, if Friday fell on the 13th, you'd have Friday the 13th marathon and on Friday and Saturday night. So yeah, um, a lot of, you, I don't want to get too off the rails here, but at that age, you're... I, I know where you're going, yeah. Entering puberty and things. And these are movies that kind of play to this awakening you're having as a pre-teenager yes. And you're like, holy crap, I'm staying up late. Everybody's in bed. I'm watching this dirty movie. And oh, it was wonderful. It was just wonderful. Yeah. Very, uh, very liberating, I guess you'll say. And at the same time, yeah, just, I don't know. I, I, I have memories of staying up or, you know, watching either one. It didn't really matter, Gilbert or uh, Rhonda. But it was always like bikini car wash or, yes. you know, one of these uh, hot dog the movie and even in its edited version was still very risque. And there was a reason why it was on at midnight, you know, but yeah, you were cool. Like, cause we did that too, like in high school and uh, even probably to some extent in middle school years where oh, I stayed up last night and watched uh, David Letterman throw a watermelon off a tower, you know, or mm-hmm. I stayed up and watched this and that. And you're, it, it was a, there was a cool factor for staying up and watching these crappy movies. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, you know, I've done a little half-ass research myself outside of Wikipedia for for a lot of these picks. I didn't realize that from the time it debuted until the time it went off, they filmed over 900 episodes of Up All Night. So it had a good long run. A lot of people stayed with it, you know, I guess you could say. Uh, I don't remember a lot of the shtick that they did in between – commercials and lead-ins and stuff i I just remember them doing something goofy or something centered around whatever movie they're showing and then you know it was what like little maybe four to five minute segments Mm -hmm. if that uh strung together after the commercial breaks some some examples would be like i remember gilbert gottfried like around halloween one year was in a haunted house and so every bumper he was like in a different room with another jump scare and he's uh, you know, well, not <laughs> yeah. Justin, but using his language. And um, so it, while you were watching a movie, you had this going on too. So he was watching two things at the same time. Yeah. It was really cool. Good choice there. Very good choice. And yeah, that was kind of my introduction to Gilbert between that and Hollywood squares, probably. Um, and uh, I'll pull it all the way back. I'll tie everything up for you. Sure. Uh, you and Chad just talked about 1989 movies. Up All Night was the first time I watched 976 Evil. So I know he was a big fan of that. And there you go. There you go. First time I saw that was with Gilbert Godfrey. Nicely done, sir. See, this is why I have you on the show. You actually you. bring some <laughs> some elements outside of Wikipedia that I don't do. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, I listen to this your is, show. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, we we are the history here. Okay. We don't rely just on Wikipedia. This is That's our experiences. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay, number three for me. Uh, yes, I, I might have watched this a little bit in high school, and I'm not afraid to to say it because I still watch Saturday morning shows. The Super Mario Brothers Super Show at number three. Hey, paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. We're with the Mario Brothers and plumbing's a game. We're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sink is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Uh. And I love the show just based on the fact that you got the cartoon. And then you got Captain Lou. I don't remember the, the man's name who played Luigi. And all these fun little guests in between. You know, Magic Johnson would pop by. You had uh, Winston from the Ghostbusters, Ernie Hudson. He was there for an you know. And they would, it was totally like off the wall. It was Ghostbusters, but they didn't call it Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they got around like all the licensing and all the whatever they had to red tape they'd have to go through to actually have like a Ghostbusters episode. But uh, oh, I just loved it. I loved the the show. Went through the whole series with my little girl, like uh, probably about two years <laughs> ago now. She loved it. My wife, of course, just dreaded it. Hates the song <laughs> at the end. You know, do the Mario. Uh, but we loved it, and you know that song was in our heads for for months on end. Yeah, it's totally campy and totally, you know, if you did not, if you weren't into like wrestling and Captain Lou, you probably didn't watch. You know, you're waiting for the cartoon to come on or something. Didn't really care about that part. But it was just, I don't know. I had fun with it, and everybody that was into Super Mario Brothers. You know, the, the episodes were great as, as well, the cartoon episodes. So what, well, what do you have to say about it? Confession, I've never watched it. I think maybe I tuned in once, like you said, for the Captain Lou appeal as a wrestling fan, but I never, I never really watched it. And as much as I was into Nintendo, like Captain N, the Game Master, that was a show I, I couldn't get into either. It just something about the video game cartoons just didn't appeal to me. And so I've never really watched an episode of Super Mario. So I'm totally in the dark about these great experiences <laughs> you're describing. It say so you make it sound wonderful though. Oh, it's it, going back and watching it now. is just fun. If you can get past, like I said, the kind of campiness of it, but seeing, you know, magic Johnson show up to their house and wanting them to fix his trophy and you know something happens during the show uh mario sits on it or something and they got to put it back together before magic comes back it's just ridiculous it's totally ridiculous but at the same time it's fun i don't i don't i can i can stand it i can watch it now and then and laugh i don't i don't know it's just it was just a fun show and i did i don't know it didn't last i don't think a whole whole long time maybe a couple seasons and then he did they did do uh, i think a super mario 3 cartoon that was somewhat you know in the same realm as as what was kind of continuing what they started with this show but oh my gosh yeah you just gotta go go over to youtube and watch the the outro credits for the uh do the mario swing your hips from side to side 
Yeah. I, I'm well, not going to sing the whole song, but <laughs> because of you, because of you asking, I will go check that out. But otherwise, it was. It might still be on Netflix. I'm not sure. It was on there for the longest time. Hmm. So go find the Ernie Hudson uh, episode <laughs> too. That was that was really fun because they like turn Luigi turns into this like green slime creature, and it's great. He got to come and get him back to normal. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right, craziness. Uh, we're up to number two. What you got? Saved by the Bell. When I wake up in the morning and the long gets out of warning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. By the time I grab my books and I give myself a look, I'm at the corner just in time to see the bus fly by. It's alright, cause I'm safe on the bill. And I talked about this on the 88 show, Good Morning Miss Bliss, turning into Saved by the Bell. That's the whole reason I put Good Morning Miss Bliss on the 88 list of TV shows. But <laughs> Saved by the Bell. That caught me at the perfect age, 11, 12 years old, not far off from high school, not too far Mm -hmm. off to where you weren't already thinking about it and dreaming it. Buddy, let me tell you what a disappointment it was to actually get to high school, and it was nothing like Bayside. Just nothing like Bayside. Uh, (laughs) I didn't have to do the timeout, you know, to to stop everybody in their tracks. And Oh, yeah. Saved by the Bell filled my head with me being like this Zach Morris character in school and being cool and everything when it turned out it was more like Screech, you know. Uh, but no, seriously, <laughs> the Brandon Tartikoff, who who fought for that show and got it on the air, made such a great decision with that. The way they retooled say, uh, uh, Good Morning, Miss Bliss. I don't know how many seasons it went. Three? Four? Not counting the college years and all that. But Yeah, I think... I think you're right. I think it's four. And they were like 13 episode seasons. So you've seen each episode like four times in a year before you've seen the new season. If I press myself, I could probably sit here and recall the plot of every episode because I've seen <laughs> them so many times. And now that they stream them, I've watched them all again. And and, and speaking of that, that age range there, you're, you're feeling like, uh, I still like my cartoons, but, I'm a little old for it. So here comes this on Saturday mornings, and it was okay because it's yep. not cartoons, but you're still watching stuff on Saturday mornings. And yep. The characters were cool, and the plot lines were cool, and I just loved it. But, yeah. Say by the Bell is my number two as well. And it's, it is it is one of those shows that just hit at the perfect time, and you're just you know getting really interested in girls, mm-hmm. and, you know – Playing all that out on Saved by the Bell with Zach and Kelly, Slater, and what's her face? Um, gosh, just left me. Uh, anyway, Jesse, anyway, you know, how they all played out. And then Screech, yeah, he's kind of the nerdy guy that, that kind of tags along that love that wants to get with Lisa, but you know, just she can't handle him most of the time. My favorite character now going back, if I watch a show, is probably Mr. Belding. I don't know. I just his laugh. And just his attitude and everything, I don't know. He, he just seemed like the coolest principal in the entire world that it would be the, the principal if you could ideally have one in your school that wasn't the uh, the hateful, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever that most of us had that just rained down on you over every little thing. He just seemed as cool. Yeah, okay, Dak, you screwed up this time again. 
but we're going to let you off the hook and um, get your life back in order. And everything's cool by the end of the episode. You know, yeah. he was never that overbearing, you know, <laughs> authority figure. Well, and he just had that laugh that just kind of mellowed everything out. <laughs> something to that effect. Something to that effect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, here's your couple casting what ifs that I that I found recently. Okay. One was the original concept for Slater was a John Travolta Saturday Night Fever type character, which I looking back, I just can't imagine that working with the cool hip '90s Bayside they created. Right. 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 But the other one was the role of Kelly came down to Tiffany Amber Theason, Elizabeth Berkeley, or Jeannie Garth. So if Jeannie Garth had got this role, would 90210 been the show that it was because, you know, they would have been filming at the same time. So I think we it worked out great for all parties involved the way it did, but I can't imagine not having Tiffany or Elizabeth in the show. And I can't imagine 90210 without Jeannie Garth, but I thought that was very interesting. Those were the final yes. two choices. I've never heard that. So that's very interesting that they kind of went their own ways and it worked out. And actually, they liked Elizabeth Berkeley more. The Jesse character wasn't part of the original conception, but they thought she was had the best audition of the three. So they gave they created a character for Elizabeth Berkeley after that. They thought she was exciting. Yeah. Exciting. See what mm. I did there? Okay. Never yeah. mind. I'm so excited. <laughs> and I just can't hide it. I'm so excited. Oh. Well, see, and gosh. that's part of what made the show great. You could deal with real issues in a kind of off to the side way. You know, that was the drug ish, the drug yeah. episode. But it wasn't like, I mean, hey, it's caffeine pills. <laughs> yeah, we make fun of it now, but back then, that wasn't like we were making fun of that show at all. I mean, that was like serious. They went a really big, serious turn. It's not like, yeah, it's not like she was really on drugs, caffeine pills or whatever. But still, it yeah. was a serious turn that you followed and you were like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jesse, what are you doing? And And now we just, you know, totally put it through the ringer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to reach through the screen and tell, like, do what I do with big tests. Just wing it. You know, just mark C, <laughs> C, C. <laughs> Make a Christmas tree pattern. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Great show. Okay. I wonder if we got the same number one here. Uh, I'm going to we'll bet see. we don't. I'm going to bet we don't. Okay. Okay. I got a feeling you like yellow people. But I'm going to say my number one show was Seinfeld. Seinfeld. We, we have the same number one, sir. Oh, do we? We wow. do. <laughs> I was thinking you were going to go Simpsons. Okay, before we talk about number one, then, honorable mention okay. of Simpsons. Been on the air for 30 years. Neither one of us picked it. It's hard to deny. It has to be one of the best shows that come out of that year because it's been on for 30 freaking years. Yes. So for all you Simpsons fans, I apologize. I watched the first couple of seasons, and I watched the Tree Houses of Horror and the Christmas episodes, and that's about it. So I'm done talking about the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah the simpsons i it's the same way for me i remember i have the vhs copy of the christmas special the very first one where they get the dog from the dog track and it, i loved it mm -hmm. i still watch it every year um and I, i've got through the first season or so of it uh the three-eyed fish that was like my favorite episode for the longest time uh I don't know. I just, I hit a wall with it somewhere. It might've been when it was on it. I mean, it's always been a, like a Saturday night show, hasn't it? 
uh, and then they Thursday. moved it. Or was no, it, it Thursday? Was, it was Thursday nights. Well, maybe it was when they moved it to the weekend or something that I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't know what happened that I kind of hit a wall with it, and I did hadn't gone uh, farther because I mean I had the freaking uh, Bart Simpson album, and I listened <laughs> to it. I I did the Bart Man. Okay, so I was a huge fan. I had the trading cards, which we'll talk about eventually. But uh, I don't know what it was that I just kind of hit a brick wall with it. Yeah, me what too. What took its place, you know? Well, I think for me, uh, it, it was cool when I watched it and my friends watched it. But then as time goes on, you get a job and it's not cool to watch cartoons anymore, even if it is The Simpsons. And it's been on so long, you not only get a job, you have a wife and kids. And my teenage daughters, The Simpsons is still on. It, it, it just blows my mind. So congratulations to The Simpsons, but you're just not on my list. You're, right. You, you respect sense. it. You respect it for what it is and all the years that it's been on. It's, you know, I, I major respect for this show, but right. just never, I, I, for some reason, it never connected with me past those first few seasons. But back to the real number one, Seinfeld. Okay. Ever since Seinfeld has been on, it's been my favorite television show. Even today, I've got mm. the box sets. It streams on Hulu. I just watched the uh, Chinese restaurant episode for about the 4,000th time just yesterday. Uh, a show about nothing. That's what everybody says. But it's not about nothing. It's about everything. It's about all the little things, all the minutiae in life. And uh, At least for me... As an adult now, at the time I didn't realize it, but as an adult now, I can see little parts of all these people I've met and friends with and have worked with in all these characters. It's like they're all perfect combinations of all these mm -hmm. people I know just shrunk down into those four cast members. And a mark that a show is great and that the writing is great is that characters who can appear one time in, in that whole series 20 years ago since it went off the air are still talked about like the suit knot. <laughs> I mean, it's in one, well, I'm not counting the finale, but it's in one episode, but people remember it. The bubble boy with the moops question. I mean, people, the writing of that show was so great that, okay. So the soup Nazis in one episode, how much screen time did he get? Maybe a total of five minutes, if that, and we still talk about him today. That's how great. Celebrate him. Celebrate him. Yes. Celebrate yeah. him. Yes. yes. Yeah, festivus. I, I still use the line, you know, you're, yeah, fest. I mean, gosh, there's so many little just one episode things that happen in there. You're, you're so, that's perfect that you, you recite a line to somebody and you you connect. I don't know. I didn't get into the show probably, gosh, I, I might have watched it a little bit in the 90s as it, you know, started gaining momentum. Obviously, we're talking about 89 and I don't even know what ratings it did its first season, but it was, I think it was to the point where they were going to cancel it or something. Right. Oh, I've got some and, good history for you on it. Well, we'll talk about our okay, feelings and then okay. we'll go through some history on it. But. I didn't really get in and, and start watching like uh, episodes until it was in syndication and kind of like in the late nineties, early two thousands, like right after uh, I first was married we would watch it every afternoon whenever it came on for you know two episodes during an hour block 
And we, I just started watching and watching and watching in there. And my wife doesn't like to admit it that she likes the show. <laughs> she thinks she's stupid, but she was right there with me. And I don't know. I don't know. It, Like you said, it's a show about nothing, but it's still just basically the day-to-day lives of these characters and those little funny little things that happen. All right, let's let's what happens if we can't find the car in a parking garage, yeah. you know, and carrying around a, what was it, an air conditioner, <laughs> you know, and, I and mean, fish, fish in a bag that we're going to die, Gary, they're going to die. <laughs> that was one of my favorites. And I don't know, just to build something around that. Uh, wow. People like to uh, put it through the ringer. Like uh, some of the other shows that had a, what we would call a poor finale, I guess just weird it wasn't yeah. I, don't, I don't know we didn't get the closure i in a courtroom with you know bringing these characters in but uh i i think i like newman more than i like any of the other characters on this and that was the thing those <laughs> those those like secondary characters were so great that mm-hmm. uh you just waited for them to come in the next time you the know all George, the girlfriend the girlfriends and the yeah all of that stuff. Oh my gosh. And, All right, go with your history. Well, before I do, like the characters were were so layered and nuanced just from one appearance. It was crazy. Larry David was a genius. Yeah. But um All right, so a little bit of history. So it debuted July 5th, 1989 as a summer series, like a replacement summer series thing. Mm-hmm. Five episodes. Ratings were poor. Now here's you a major what if. After those five episodes, NBC offered to sell the property to Fox. (laughs) So uh, the television landscape would be vastly different. Would Seinfeld be as big of a hit if it was on Fox in those days? Because remember, Fox was not that big of a network at the time. Right. Or would Fox have become a bigger network sooner? Because Seinfeld was a Thursday night show. Simpsons were a Thursday night show. If you had an hour block of Simpsons Seinfeld, that's like powerhouse television in in retrospect, looking back, that right. would be powerhouse television. Right. Interesting. So they got a second season contract after Fox turned them down. Fox didn't want Seinfeld. I'm sure whoever made that decision and was got fired a few years later. Um, their second season was only 12 episodes. And instead of debuting in the fall, it was pushed back to January because of the Gulf War coverage on NBC. So their third season was their first actual full season. But you were talking about the ratings. It didn't even crack the top 30 until its fourth season. So it was a it was a real slow starter. Real slow. Wow, and it didn't wow. become number it didn't hit number one until its sixth season. But by then it was a runaway success. And I'm sure you, everybody's heard that that final season, Jerry was getting a million dollars per episode and everybody else was getting what, like seven hundred and fifty thousand or half a million per episode. Yeah. And NBC wanted to do one more season. Seinfeld wanted to go out on top. They offered him $100 million for one more season. Just for him. Just Jerry Seinfeld. $100 million. But he turned it down. But he's smart because just in syndication, the show has earned $4.6 billion. That's that's insane. That's insane. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh! It won it, it, Outstanding Comedy Series Emmy in 1993. 
But from that point till its end, it was nominated every year. But that was its only win. It lost to the same show from 94 through its final episode, which was Frasier. Won every year in that stretch with Seinfeld finishing second. Good company there. Yeah. it's it, And again, that it, it hit me more in, in those syndication years than well, ever. And it just built, I, I guess, my liking for it more than those early years like you said because nobody nobody's watching it up until what what did you say 93 is when it won the the award so yeah that's that's four years like you said that man you know it just it, it could have been on cable or something <laughs> well, and I was, it wouldn't have mattered i was all in i mean i liked it from the first episode because it originally those first five episodes were titled the seinfeld chronicles uh, but then they retooled it a little bit, but I was all in. I watched it. It was like the first television show I can remember. If I wasn't off work, I had to have the timer set on VCR to record it. And I watched it as soon as I got home. And like you, we had their local Fox affiliate showed it every night at from seven to eight in a two episode block. And then they also showed it from 10 to 11 in a two hour block. So I was watching four episodes a day through the week, and on Thursdays I'd have the new one. I'd watch five episodes on that day. Wow! I still have a stack of recorded VHS full of Seinfeld syndication episodes. Of course, that yeah, was in the days you... before DVD, so you didn't know you'd just be able to buy them in chunks. But right, right, right. I, I bet you they would still sell on eBay if you put them up there. <laughs> well, I can't part with that. What's the matter with you? Well, we got the DVD, you got the Blu-ray, you got the digital copy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yep. I, check, I've, check, got this, I've got this thing. I, I would love to like contact somebody uh, at the FBI or whoever's monitoring all these, you know, <laughs> different nuances of show. Once you buy like a music album, if you've got it on record, you should own it for the rest of your life, no matter what format it's on. That's mm-hmm. my take yeah. anyway. So... If you can prove that you recorded it on, on your VCR in 1994, then you should be able to say, yep, here, I got it. Give me the mm-hmm. Blu-ray set. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, there's just, for me, there's just too many episodes to really go in and, and try to determine uh, even a, probably a top five list. I mean, the... Uh, all the Steinbrenner episodes with George, you know, hiding under his desk. And that was just a fun character too. So there's just so many of those, you know, like peripheral characters that they plug into that, that are just so great and just seem to excel at portraying that character. You know, who else else could you picture as Newman? Yeah. Nobody Nobody. at this point. Nobody. Nobody It's Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that again, going back to the writing, they would, just pepper episodes, four or five, and maybe even a season, just one-off mentions, and then just blow it all off with one full episode. And the best example is like Kramer with his beach cologne. It was just something he would mention offhanded. Hey, Jerry, you know it would be a good idea? A cologne that makes you smell like you've been at the beach. And Jerry's reply, and then you wouldn't hear about it. And then the next episode is something else. And then finally there's a whole episode where Calvin Klein creates the beach. <laughs> and he's... You know, that's my idea, Jerry. So they would, you wouldn't even know that they were building up to an episode. And they'd done this numerous times with all kinds of subjects. It, it just very yeah. layered show. 
Kramer was really the only one that I recognized too. When you going into the show, I mean, I never remembered uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus on Saturday Night Live or anything like that, and I didn't hadn't remember seeing George other than jumping around in a Big Mac commercial, probably. McDLT <laughs> commercial. There you go, McDLT. <laughs> Thanks for the correction. See, this is why I have you on the show. Right, you're welcome. Uh, but, you know, you ha- I love the Problem Child movies and, uh, you know, Kramer and his Smiley Pies. Oh, you my gosh. Smiley Pie. <laughs> and then UHF, you know, I mean, he's he's not exactly the same character, but it's you're, you're I recognized him. So him as the wacky neighbor was just fun with all these little nuances that you remember him from other movies, at least that I had watched. Yeah. But I think that's what really kind of drew me there. And then once you get to know just all the characters and the writing just topped it off. It was great. He is a genius. Okay, well let's uh, let's wrap up our Seinfeld then. If you don't have anything else, and uh, do you got any other honorable mentions you want to throw out there? Sure. Uh, I'm not going to go into any detail, but I also had stuff wrote down like Coach debuted that year. I watched a lot of it. Baywatch, Cops, Family Matters, Rescue 911 was great. Uh, Tales from the Crypt was always good, and mm-hmm. uh, MTV's Rock and Jock Games started in 1989, which were always a treat. But, Oh not yeah, that the homeboys versus the away boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all the softball games um, and basketball. Basketball too, right? Yep. Honorable mentions for me: uh, Nickelodeon game show called Make the Grade. Mm-hmm. I always loved that show. That was in that kind of afternoon block when I got home from school, and they had those fun game shows for kids there. Uh, I know I remember watching Doogie Howser, but it was I, I never got into it and have never got into it really. Uh, but I remember it being a, a highly rated show when it first came out. We've talked about Rescue 911. I, I guess we might have got the years wrong. I think uh, Wyatt and I talked about it in 87, but at least from Wikipedia, it was 89. And that was a show dad loved and just uh, razzed me about. Don't ever you know, crawl through a drainage pipe, you know, and get stuck in there. Yes, sir. Uh, I remember, I never had HBO as a kid, but my neighbors did. I'd go up there and watch movies and stuff. I remember watching a couple episodes of Tales from the Crypt and being freaked out. Yeah. Uh, That was just, I've never really gone back. I'm not really much of the horror fan, but there were some weird episodes I remember uh, from that show. Cops, that was another one my dad just, Watched every single, I think it was, was it Friday night or was it yeah. Saturday night? Friday night. Friday night. Had to watch Cops. Didn't watch really Coach. I remember the show Alien Nation, which I think was also a movie or uh, maybe a TV movie. That was weird. That's like, if you've seen that movie, what's that movie on Netflix now? Will Smith. Um, Bright. Bright is the name of the movie. But it's like this, you know, uh, alien race that w- comes and we try to live together. And there's these like two cops that are partners. It was an interesting show. I remember just the, the makeup and the, the, how they had the costumes for the aliens, you know, and, and acting somewhat like humans going through like American society <laughs> at the time. But um, that was just one of those shows that kind of hit me too. I remember watching some uh, major dad, 
on I think that was on yeah. USA Network. That uh, was a fun show. I think I've seen it, but I I never really watched it. It just yeah, didn't appeal uh, to me. Not taking anything away from any of these shows we're talking about. Maybe I didn't watch it because it was on directly against some of these shows we did talk about. Not that those were not great shows. I just never gave them a chance because I was all in on this other stuff we've already yeah. talked about. Yep. And the last one I had on my list was MTV Unplugged. Oh, yeah. I had that one, too. Yeah. That, I, all of those straight from... I don't. I can't remember which music awards it was when uh, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora just played acoustic, and I think it was kind of born somewhat from that performance into MTV Unplugged, and it got me hooked several several years. I I bought several of the albums too in the early '90s. Alice in Chains and uh, what else did I have that was MTV Unplugged? Nirvana, you know those. Those uh, concerts, I'll say, were uh, were really great. I don't know, just a different attitude, different style to some of those songs that we, you know, listened to thousands of times on the radio, mm-hmm. and kind of sucked me in. It may not be anymore. I haven't looked in a while, but for the longest time, Eric Clapton's "Unplugged" was the best-selling oh, yeah. live album of all time. Maybe recently, something else has overtook it, but yeah, that that series was really good. That was like event television too, because they were kind of on a non-specific schedule. But they would, when they'd have a new one coming out, they would hype it endlessly on everything you're watching on the TV. Yep. And like, oh man, Wednesday night, three weeks from now, it's Nirvana unplugged. You know, I gotta, I gotta yeah. clear my schedule. So. Yeah, and I'm sure that helped uh, sell. I mean, that just uh, as an out from an, uh, just an album perspective. And you know, when he uh, when Eric Clapton reworked Layla for that that concert, I still get irritated at that fan that goes whoo at the in the middle of the chorus but yeah i mean they were it was event television definitely for mtv and it was i don't know it seems to me kind of like the last hurrah for mtv for the real mtv that we knew for the yeah. for the music centered mtv yeah um, unplugged was kind of that last little journey they do the well i guess i guess vh1 was the storytellers I think that was about that same era too, but yeah, that last little push for unplugged after that ended and they just went reality and whatever the crap they're showing now, it, it was, it was gone. But anyway, okay. Well, I think that's it, Mickey. Um, we, uh, we went through 1989, I think pretty well, uh, several there on the same on the, uh, honorable mentions that we watched and, uh, it was fun, man. I had a great time. Oh, yeah. I love old television. And 89 was just a great year for old television. Well, yeah. I guess it would be for new television in 89. But old, <laughs> old now, new then, great year. You know, I struggled when we done the 88. But this one was just, you know, like you said, I had 15, 16 things written down. And I could have put them in any, besides Seinfeld being one, I could have put them all in any order after that and would have been happy with my list. So, gotcha. Great television year. I'm glad we're ending kind of with 89 too, because if you look at 1990, I did an article several years ago on 1990 and how many TV shows were adapted from eighties movies that year, like uncle buck Ferris Bueller's day off. Uh, I can't remember. There was like five or six of them that debuted this and they were like total crap. So we're ending, I think on a good year here. I think next time we're going to go all the way back to 1980 and look at shows, but 
man, it just hit a wall in 1990. So it, it would be a struggle, I think, if we could get to five shows. Yeah, if maybe. we kept going. But. I'd have to look at the list, but, you know, I'd say you're right. 89 was, well, you know, it's, <laughs> 89 was the last hurrah of the 80s. A lot of stuff in 89 was great. So. Yeah. And maybe yeah. we think that way because we're more attuned to it. We were more of an age of consciousness in 89 at, at our age that we're at, you know. Yep. And we can remember yep. more of it. So. Yep, definitely agree. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you, Mickey, for coming on. Retro Rambler. Thanks, Jason. The uh, RetroRamblings.com. If you want to keep the conversation going, just shoot us your top five list. Just tweet us, tag RD80s, and tag at Yesterdayville, and uh, tell us what you think about 1989 TV. And if we are just out of our minds for not putting The Simpsons in our top five, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to keep that conversation going. And definitely shout out, if you remember the one time the alligators come on the track on rock and roller games. That's yeah. an iconic moment in 1989 that everybody needs to see. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm off to YouTube as soon as we wrap this up here. So, again, thanks, Mickey, for coming on. And uh, go find our show notes over there, rediscoverthe80s.com. You can put a comment there as well. But we are both pretty active on Twitter. So go find us over there and shoot us your top five and – See if you remember the the alligator pit there. <laughs> and, it burned uh, in my mind. I'll never forget that. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for listening, subscribing, downloading, and uh, we will see you next time on the Rankum. This is Jason Gross for the Rediscover the Eighties podcast. We tell them we got an idea for a show about nothing. Exactly. They say, what's your show about? I say nothing. There you go. I think you may have something here. <laughs> Who wants to have some fun? Well, let's start the insanity. Giddy up. Vandalay, vandalay, vandalay. Vandalay, vandalay, vandalay. Wet and wild. Vandalay, vandalay, vandalay. Dolores! The sea was angry that day, my friends. Super terrific carpal tunnel syndrome. Sorry, the card says moops. A bird ran into my giant freak head. I got jiggy with it. I broke the covenant of the keys. I am speechless. I am without speech. Oh, I got the ball. That is one magic loogie. The surprise blindfold greeting. <laughs> that wasn't in the manual. A coffee table book on coffee tables. Hello, Newman. Is it possible I'm not as attractive as I think I am? Boy, these pretzels are making me thirsty. I'm gonna need some water here. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. Yo, yo, mom. Little Jerry is a lean, mean, pecking machine. I'm speechless. I have no speech. Yo, yo, mom. How did there be anything wrong with that? Oh, I'm looking right at you, Big Daddy. She had man hands. You're an anti-dentite. You're a massage teaser. So he's Bizarro Jerry. That is one tough monkey. He's a re-gifter. He's a real bounder. He's a real sidewalk. He's a limbo. She's one of these low talkers. A long talker. A high talker. A close talker. Yeah, yeah, I am Batman. <laughs> well, now we're getting somewhere. He's short. He's stocky. I am Costanza, Lord of the Idiots. She enjoys teasing animals, ban lawn, and seeing people running for their lives. I'm a day person. A horse face, big teeth, and a, and a pointed nose. A man who respects a good comb. 
a tall, lanky doofus with hair like the Bride of Frankenstein. I'm Cosmo Kramer. But are you still master of your domain? Yo, yo, ma. I am king of the county. I'm queen of the castle. Lord of the manor. Yo, yo, ma. Hey, the drink. I love the drink. I'm out. A big salad? The bro. Junior Mint. Urban Sombrero. You silly Jerry. Rochelle, Rochelle. Significant shrinkage. Bay, 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 bay. Golden Boy. Chocolate vodka. Bosco. Sponge worthy. Buffer zone. This, that, and the other. Happy Festivus. Maestro. Tippy Dog, Tippy Dog. Yada, yada, yada. I think I may have made a big mistake. Comfort schmuffet. Friendship's man share. You double dipped the chip. Keep thinking that goiter is going to start talking to me. I'm dangerous, Jerry. I'm very, very dangerous. The guy's going to put a guy in my tongue. Every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Susie, it's not Suze. It's stubborn, stupid, silly man who leaves the country packed with ponies to come to a non-pony country. I don't want to be Switzerland. But we're going to get pecs in your laps. We're all really impressed. It's fun to go. You're freaking me out. I'm freaking out. I am freaking out. Somebody now. Oh, you have to go. You have to. I'm going. You have to. Okay.